think it will. So anyway, good morning. Good to see everybody here. And we're going to be in Genesis chapter 41 this morning. And uh, good to have Brother Kenny and his family visiting with us again today. And I met, is it Brother Bob, is that right, back here, and his family and friends with Mrs. Seal. And uh, good to have you folks with us today as well. And uh, good to have Brother Dave back. And he's been out of town working, and uh, so good to have him back. And good to see Miss Linda over here. And Miss Linda Craig and Jennifer are here, and that's a blessing. So starting to get back to normal a little bit, and praise the Lord for that. And uh, certainly a joy to have everybody here. It's hard to preach to just a camera or one or two people sometimes, so uh, good to have uh, people here again. So uh, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 41. Before we get there, let's take some prayer requests and uh, go to the Lord in prayer for some things this morning. <clears throat> Continue to pray for June Bolin, if you will. Uh, she was not able to have her chemo treatments again this week because of her uh, platelet counts being down. She's supposed to go back again Tuesday for some more testing, and hopefully they'll be able to do the chemo this Tuesday. So pray for that specifically. Uh, also, Bob Schwabert, uh, we mentioned last week, took a fall and broke uh, something in his leg. I'm not sure what it was, uh, but um, is in uh, Mercy Jefferson and uh, had to have some uh, stuff done for his leg there but is also under hospice care, or has been under hospice care. So continue to pray for him and the family. Um, I talked to Miss Florence this morning, and she did say that, is that on? I guess that's on. Um, she did say that Brother Everett is, uh, is doing about normal, about what he normally is, but it's just getting to be very difficult for him to get out and about. So if you could keep him in prayer uh, this morning. Also continue to pray for Gene Whitener, who uh, had a broken hip and needed uh, a partial hip replacement. Pray for that, if you will. Uh, Laverne Payne, who's been coming, uh, they're trying to make some uh, decisions about uh, her staying by herself still and uh, trying to find somebody that can come by and spend four or five hours a day with her and sit with her at the home um, just so she can still be in her own house. So uh, pray for that, if you will. Um, Pray for the sister of Brother Richard, Miss Linda, uh, who has cancer. Is there any update on that? Really bad? Okay. 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 So continue to pray for her, if you will, uh, with cancer and uh, things not looking real good there. And, you know, the Lord can heal, and the Lord can choose not to heal. Um what we need to do is, is continue to pray for the family and those involved. And so uh, if you would keep her in prayer, also their brother Ron, uh, who's got congestive heart failure. And um, then I know the Douglases had mentioned about a young lady named Tamara or Tamara. Uh, do you have an update on her we've been praying for? Okay. Okay. All right. Okay. Okay. Mhm. Okay. Okay. All right. So pray for Mrs. Douglas's brother. What's his first name? I'm sorry. Fran. Okay. So pray for that, Miss Sandy. Okay. Mm 
Okay. Okay. All right. Sure will. Sure will. So pray for Brother Jess Harris. We've been praying for them every day. We mentioned them in the morning devotion time, and so continue to pray for the Harris family. Uh, we were praying mainly for uh, Miss Sarah because she was the one that was so sick, and now I guess Brother Jess is having some issues too. So, all right, so pray for the Harris family. All right, uh, anything, uh, continue to pray for my sister. Uh, supposed to go again this week. Um, they did find that the, mark on, the, the spot on her liver that they were concerned about was benign. Uh, but she does have another cyst that they're looking at, and they're concerned a little bit about that. So pray for her. I think she's going this week to uh, see about how they're going to deal with that. And so pray for that if you would. All right. Anyone else that has a prayer request or maybe something God's done good that you'd like to share with us and answer to prayer? Yes, ma'am. Okay. Good. Good. I know uh, a lot of times we have unspoken prayer requests that are of a sensitive nature. And I'm, I'm all for that. I understand there are some things we don't need to share uh, with other people or maybe they're sensitive matters with family or something. <clears throat> but um, a lot of times we'll pray for unspoken requests, and then if God answers them, we don't usually come out and thank Him for it. So uh, praise the Lord for answered prayer. And uh, even though it's an unspoken request, we thank the Lord. Is there such a thing as an unspoken praise? I guess, uh, I don't know. I guess that would be what, as close as you could come to it anyway. But praise the Lord for answered prayer, and absolutely exciting to hear that. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Okay. All right. My Place Residential Care, yes. Continue to pray for them as well. All right. Anything else? All right. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Okay, so pray for traveling mercies. I thought I saw another hand over here somewhere. Anybody else? Is that it? Okay, let's go to the Lord in prayer then. Father, we are so grateful and thankful this morning for another opportunity to meet together. Lord, what a joy it has been this morning to be with your people and, uh, Father, we don't many times understand what we have until we lose it. And so we are we're very grateful for what you've given us here, the opportunity to come freely and open your word, be able to hold it in our hands, be able to study it and read it and preach it, to be able to have fellowship with your people, to be able to sing our praises to you. And so, Father, this morning we are just coming to say thank you for allowing us to live in a country like this where we have that liberty. I pray that you would help to preserve that liberty. And may we do our part in standing and defending the truth and the liberty of this country. We pray that you would bless as we go to your word this morning, uh, that you would give clear understanding, that you would open our hearts and our minds, that at the onset of this service we would yield our hearts to the leading of your Holy Spirit. And Lord, may we be sensitive to it. And then, Father, for the requests that have been mentioned, I know there are many burdens on the hearts of our people. And yet, so many things that you have blessed our lives with, so many answers to prayer that we could never give you enough thanks or enough praise for it. But we come to you this morning, some with heavy hearts and hearts of burden, that people that uh, are physically ill and some that are very near death's door. And unless you intervene and your hand of healing comes on them, Lord, they're probably very soon to go off into eternity, I pray that you would give grace and comfort 
if there are those that are not saved, I pray that you would allow the conviction of your Holy Spirit to be there. May you use us as we have opportunity to share the gospel with them. May they not go off into a Christless eternity. And then, Father, for those that are <clears throat> battling other physical ailments, I pray that you would strengthen them. And, Lord, uh, put your hand of healing upon them. There are many others that are struggling with uh, decisions to be made and uh, family issues that are taking place. And, Lord, may you give wisdom and may you give grace in those situations. May the outcomes of them be such as would bring praise to your name and give glory to you. I pray that you would help us to be a great testimony of your loving kindness and your wisdom and your graciousness through these trials. I pray that you'll bless the service this morning. And, Lord, as we come to your word, I pray that you would help us to be receptive to it. And for the next few moments, if you would help us to just lay aside all the burdens and cares of our hearts, things that would distract our minds from you, and help us to put our hearts wholly upon your word. I pray that you'll bless it and use it this morning. May it encourage us and draw us closer to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, Genesis chapter number 41. We've been studying through the life of Joseph. I don't know about you, but I have been overly impressed, if you will. Uh, here's a young man that at the age of 17 was sold off into slavery. And um, his brothers wanted to kill him. I mean, there was a lot of opposition. We talked a little bit about how God had early on shown Joseph what he was going to do with his life. But he did not show Joseph all of the things that would transpire between the time that he saw these things and the time that they would come to pass. And there's a lot to be said for the character and the steadfastness and the faithfulness of Joseph during this time. Uh, because uh, I don't know about you, but I think I would be inclined, if I were in that situation, uh, the, the, the temptation would be to say, Lord, what's going on here? I, I thought you were going to do this, this, and this with my life, and that's certainly not going anywhere that I think it would uh, to accomplish that. And there are times in our lives where God brings us through some things we never thought we'd ever go through. You ever been there before? Uh, you find yourself in a place you never thought you'd have found yourself. But can I tell you this? God is always faithful. And uh, we find this in the life of Joseph, that he has an unshakable faith. He uh, finds himself elevated. God, because of his character and because of his faith in him, elevates him in the house of Potiphar. He's falsely accused and sent to prison. While he's there, because of his integrity and his character and because of God's favor, he's elevated in the prison. And again, uh, has opportunity. And he tells the baker and the butler, uh, the interpretation of their dreams, he asks the butler, he says, I want you to do one thing for me, just one thing. That's all I'm asking. And that is, when you get out of here, don't forget me. And uh, in chapter number 40, I believe it was the last verse, it says that the butler did not remember him, obviously. And we know the story. Two years pass, and last week we talked about the fact that there were two years needed here. There's something that we find in the reading of Joseph's attitude, even though he was a man of integrity, even though he was a man of character and faithfulness, there seems to be a little bit of a um, lack of humility, perhaps. I hate to say it that way because I don't want to speak negatively of Joseph. But we do find that he comes to his brothers at 17 
and shares these stories. And, and I can imagine older brothers listening to a younger brother telling them, one of these days you're going to bow down to me. I, I imagine if he's like any other boy I know that has older brothers, he's probably trying to rub their nose in it a little bit. Uh, certainly when it comes time for him to give the interpretation to the butler and the, ba- and the uh, baker, he asks them, uh, hey, what can I do to help you? He said, you know, you guys are having a rough day today. He perceived that they were having difficulty. He said, you know, I'm here. What can I do for you? And they tell him the dreams, and uh, he gives them the interpretation of the dreams. But we don't find, and even though um, it, just because it didn't say it in Scripture doesn't mean it didn't happen, but we don't find it in Scripture that he's saying, uh, I can't help you, but God can. Instead, he just jumps right in and he says, let me help you. But when two years pass and the butler is standing before Pharaoh and he remembers there was a guy in prison that helped me with my dream and he brings Joseph to him. Pharaoh brings Joseph in front of him. And uh, we saw last week as we got down to verse number 16 of chapter 41 and Joseph answered Pharaoh saying, it is not in me. It's the first time we've seen Joseph say something like this. There's a humility in his spirit that I don't believe was there two years prior. And while Joseph was ready for God to get on with the business at hand of using him, God understood and knew that there was some more time needed, wasn't there? And I'll tell you this, God's timing is always right. Um, You remember the story of Lazarus when he died and was in the grave for four days. Jesus could very easily have come when Lazarus was sick and healed him. But Jesus knew that there was a need for uh, him to be glorified, for God to be glorified. And there was a need for those that were there to see the working of uh, God in in, uh, Lazarus' life, to see that miracle come to pass. And God used it for his glory and for his grace. And so I would say all that to say this, let's not question God's timing. Uh, Boy, we have a a tendency to, though, don't we? Uh, Boy, we... (laughs) We're in an immediate gratification society, and what we want, we want right now. But there's a lot to be said for waiting on God's timing. I don't think we ought to drag our feet, but we certainly need to wait on God's timing and be content with that. We're going to pick up in verse number 17, and that's kind of where we left off last week. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph in my dream, Behold, I stood upon a bank of the river, And behold, there came out of this uh, river seven kind, uh, fat-fleshed and well-favored, and they fed in a meadow. And behold, seven other kind came up after them, uh, poor and very ill-favored, and lean-fleshed, such as I never saw in all the land of Egypt for badness. And the lean and the ill-favored kind did eat up the first seven uh, fat kind, and when they had eaten them up, it could not be known that they had eaten them. But they were still ill-favored, as at the beginning, so I awoke. And I saw in my dream, and behold, seven years came up uh, in one stalk, full and good. And behold, seven years withered, uh, thin and blasted with the east wind, sprung up after them. And the thin ears devoured the seven good ears. And I told this unto the magicians, but there was none that could declare it to me. And Joseph said unto Pharaoh, the dream of Pharaoh is one. Now I'm going to stop here for a moment before we get into the interpretation of the dream. And mention this, because we see this a few times in Scripture. We find it again in the book of Daniel, uh, when King Darius has uh, a dream, and he calls Daniel, uh, or Daniel, I'm sorry, Daniel has a dream, and uh, he's asked for the interpretation of it. It was under the reign of King Darius. 
And the Bible says that an angel was sent forth to give him the answer to his prayer on the first day. But it took him 21 days to get to Daniel and to give him the answer. And he gives the explanation. We're not going to take time to study all of this during uh, this morning's lesson, although we'll probably take a time uh, sometime this year to deal more with this topic. But uh, the angel that was sent to deliver the message to Daniel said, I was sent out on the first day, but the prince of Persia withstood me one in 20 days. And he said, I had to call on Michael, the archangel, to come and help me so that I could deliver this message to you. And so we find that there is a battle, a warfare that goes on. And I don't want to be uh, you know, overly spiritual. Some of these people that talk about, well, I can see angels and demons and the spiritual realm. But understand this, that uh, because we so often um, see people that misuse this teaching and this truth, we've shied away from the fact that there is a very real battle that goes on in the spiritual realm. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers. And understand this, that you and I are engaged in that warfare every single day of our lives. Uh, we get to Joseph, and Joseph is no different. Pharaoh uh, has a dream. He recognizes it as what he would consider to be a significant dream or a dream that needed to be interpreted or translated. And the first place that the Pharaoh goes to is to his magicians and his wise men. The reason he goes to them is because in the past they've been able to give him accurate translations to dreams that he had, understanding this, that all of those had been given from, uh, the, uh, from Satan and from the demonic side of things. This is the first time a dream has hit Pharaoh, or at least that the, the Bible indicates, that God has given him a dream. And all of these wise men and all of these magicians that were consulted could not answer him as to the interpretation of it because it was not of them. And so they were struggling with it. And the only one that could give the interpretation of the dream was one of uh, God's people, one of God's men. And so he comes to Joseph. Now we find in verse number 25, And Joseph said unto Pharaoh, The dream of Pharaoh is one. God hath showed Pharaoh what he is about to do. And I think that's an amazing statement. Because Pharaoh, even though I believe he knew of God, he was not sold on him being the one true God. He certainly allowed other uh, uh, gods in his region, in his realm, more than likely worshipped other gods. Certainly people in his household and people under his rule and under his reign worshipped other gods. But I believe was aware of the fact of there was a God that, that Jacob and uh, Isaac and Abraham had followed, and he was aware of that particular God, although I don't know that he followed him wholeheartedly. And Joseph makes known to him, he says, God has chosen to make known to you what he's getting ready to do. I find that interesting because uh, in dealing with young people for a number of years, a lot of times young people would come and say, uh, Brother Greg, how do I know what the will of God is? And uh, I know we misuse the words probably and, and don't say it the way that we should because the truth is God has given us his will in his word. There's no doubting what God's will is. What we usually mean by that is, how do I know what God's plan is for me within His will? And uh, they come and say, well, how do I know that? And, and young people, I think, sometimes get the idea that uh, God is up in heaven and He's got this grand plan for their life, but He's making it a treasure hunt. He's making it a hide-and-seek type thing. He's dangling the carrot, so to speak. And just about the time they think they know what God's will is or God's plan is for their life, that God kind of is like, oh, nope, not going to show you yet. I want us to understand and know this, that it is God's desire that we know His will for our life, that we know His plan for our life. 
And the truth is, for the, for the vast majority of it, He's already given it to us in His Word. The reason we many times don't understand it or don't see it is because we don't spend the time reading and understanding the will of God in His Word. And therefore, it's hard for us to know His plan for our lives. But understand that His desire is that we know His plan. It's, he's not sitting up in heaven teasing us or trying to, to hide it or trying to make it some big mystery. God desires for you and I to know His plan for our lives. And I think we need to come to Scripture with that thought in mind and when we study and we read Scripture to look for the will of God in His Word. And as we know more His will, He begins to expose His plan to our life. He begins to open up the doors and lay the path straight before us. He gives a race to us. The Bible teaches us that, that we are to run with patience the race that is set before us. God puts it right in front of us and makes it plain. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about this in the next service, how that many times we're blinded. And so we're going to look at that a little bit more, and I won't preach that message until next hour, all right? But did want to point that out, that God's desire here in verse 25 was to show Pharaoh uh, what his plan was, what his will was, what he's about to do. The seven good kind are seven years, and the seven good years are seven years. The dream is one, and the seven thin and ill-favored kind that came up after them are seven years. And the seven empty ears blasted with the east wind shall be seven years of famine. This is the thing which I have spoken unto Pharaoh. What God is about to do, he showeth unto Pharaoh. Behold, there come seven years of great plenty throughout all the land of Egypt. And there shall arise after them seven years of famine, and all the plenty shall be forgotten in the land of Egypt. And the famine shall consume the land, and the plenty shall not be known in the land by reason of that famine, following, for it shall be very grievous. And for that the dream was doubled unto Pharaoh twice. I think that's important. You know, we find sometimes a verse that is stated twice uh, in Scripture. Uh, for instance, in the book of Proverbs, it says, There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. And two chapters later, you'll see the exact same verse with one word difference, I believe, in it. But basically, God is saying it twice. And uh, there, understand this, that God is not, when he, when he was writing this book, uh, he was not doing like a high school uh, composition student was doing where he was, had so many words he had to put in there and he writes very, 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 very a lot and tries to fill up a, 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 an essay that he's writing. Every word that God put in Scripture is there for a purpose. And if God does it twice, uh, Joseph gives the idea here that, listen, God was so... Um, uh, desiring you to get a hold of this, that he did it twice for you. And he says that in verse number 32. And for the dream was doubled unto Pharaoh twice, it is because the thing is established by God. And God will shortly bring it to pass. Now therefore let Pharaoh look out a man discreet and wise and set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh do this and let him appoint officers over the land and take up the fifth part of the land of Egypt in the seven... Uh, plenteous years, and let them gather all the food of those good ears that come, and lay up corn under the hand of Pharaoh, and let them keep food in their in the cities, and that food shall be for store to the land against the seven years of famine, which shall be in the land of Egypt, and the land perish not through the famine. Now, understanding all of this is within God's plan. Did God wake up that morning or the night before and decide, hey, I think I'm going to do this and give Pharaoh this? dream and I'm going to cause this famine. You think God woke up that day and 
God doesn't wake up, you know, obviously. But uh, this was not something that God just, hey, I think I'll do this. Understand that this took place years before when he, he told Joseph, he said, this is what I'm going to do. He gave him dreams and said, this is what I'm going to do with your life. God knew all the way back then. I think sometimes we know that God knows what's going to come in our lives, but we don't trust in it. We don't put our rest and our faith in Him that He's aware of what's getting ready to happen. One of the things that's amazing to me is uh, why God commands us to pray when He already knows what's going to be the end of it. And understand this, it took me a long time to learn this, but God doesn't command us to pray for His benefit. He commands us to pray for our benefit. It's a help to us. It's an expression of our faith and our dependence upon Him. Because God already knows what's going to happen. He's already established this thing. Um, I, had a, I had a situation here a couple weeks ago. And uh, uh, something happened. I, I, uh, um, boy, I've got to be careful how I say this because I don't want to... It's a personal illustration. There was a need, okay, uh, of a person. And uh, I was able to meet that need, but it was going to create another need in my life. And I was really worried about it. And I thought, Lord, what am I going to do? So I, I, I met the need. And within one day, my need was taken care of in an unbelievable and in a miraculous way. And I called the person that was responsible for it because they knew two weeks earlier. And they got the ball rolling for the solution to my need even before I even knew there was a need for somebody else. Can I tell you this? God knows what's coming down the pike. I wish I could share the details of it because it was exciting to me to see that God, even before I even knew there was a need that was going to happen, had already put in place what was going to take, take place and take care of that. And uh, what a joy it is to know that we have a God that doesn't, is not taken by surprise. Amen? It helps us to anchor our soul to Him, to have faith in Him, to have our feet on a solid rock, to know that He is able to do those things. In verse number 37, And the thing was good in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of all his servants. And Pharaoh said unto his servants, Can we find such an one as this, uh, as this is, a man in whom the Spirit of God is? I want to stop and take a few moments on this. Boy, what a statement. We live in a day where we are in need of the world being able to look at a Christian and say, there's a man or there's a woman in whom the Spirit of God is. Uh, there were some things I noticed about Joseph that are the result of being yielded to the Holy Spirit in his life that the Spirit of God could have His will and way in Joseph's life. And there are some things that are attributes or characteristics of a Spirit-filled life that are, are shown in Joseph's life. And I want to, I want to bring those to you uh, this morning. And I want to say this before I give them to you, because I'm going to give you probably five different things here that I see in Joseph's life. There may be more. But whenever we come to a list of things like this, there's a danger that we look at it and we say, Boy, I want that to be said of me. And so we try to externally put these things into place in our life. But can I tell you this? It needs to be something that the inner man, the spirit inside of us, the Holy Spirit of God that resides inside of us, needs to be so uh, in charge and so controlling of our life that it just happens to come out on the outside. 
Uh, I see so, so many times uh, Christians that try to, to clean up the outside shell, if you will, and they take these lists of things. When we read about the fruit of the Spirit in the New Testament, so many times we look at it as a punch list of things that we attempt to do outwardly. Can I tell you this? We ought to be more focused on being yielded and following and sensitive to the Holy Spirit of God so that His fruit automatically comes out of us. And so I want to, I want to give you kind of the, the, the disclaimer before we get into this that while we're going to look at some attributes that Joseph has that I believe were cause for the lost world to look at him and say there's a man with, uh, in whom is the Spirit of God, uh, understand these were not things that he just outwardly did, but these were the result of what he was inwardly. And I want us to look at these things. First of all, we find a spirit of humility in Joseph. When Pharaoh comes to him, we've already spoken about it in verse number 16, he said, it is not in me. He said, if there's something Pharaoh needs that uh, is beyond <coughs> man's power, I can't help you. But, but the God that I serve can. And there needs to be a spirit of humility. In fact, uh, when we are yielded to the Holy Spirit of God, I found that this to be true, that there becomes a spirit of humility in that person's life. There's a lot of times we try to put that on outwardly, and it's not something that takes place inwardly. Secondly, I think we find that Joseph is quick to give praise to God, isn't he? I mean, here he is standing before the mightiest man in the world, the man who is the, the leader of the world empire at the time, who has literally the authority of life or death over him, that could very easily say, I don't like what you're saying, off with his head. I mean, he, he, he hung the, 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 the baker uh, for, for something very small, you know. And um, yet he stands before Pharaoh, and he's quick to say, God is going to speak good for you, and here's what the, the, the interpretation is. He's quick to give praise to God. And by the way, I found this, that when people are yielded to the leading of the Holy Spirit, when they're walking in the Spirit and they're following what God asks them to do in their lives, and they do it because they love God, not because they're forced to do it or they have to or it's something that somebody twists their arm, the preacher gets up and gives them a guilt trip and they feel like, boy, if I don't serve God, then they're going to think ill of me. I'm talking about serving God with a heart of love where it's effervescent, where it just bubbles over in our hearts. We just can't do enough for Him. And when that happens, there's an external thing that takes place, and that is we begin to praise God. You ever get so excited about who God is, you just can't help but tell somebody about it? I mean, I've, I've been in front of lost people before sometimes, and, and something will happen, and I'll be like, boy, praise the Lord. And they'll look at me like, I'm, uh, who are you? What's going on here? And uh, I'll try to explain to them. And, uh, but I found this, that when we have the Spirit of God in us, there are times that, uh, and we're yielded to that, uh, that there is a praise that comes forth. Our hearts are, are overwhelmed with His presence. Then I want you to notice that there is a knowledge from God. Uh, Joseph was able to translate the dream. He had a knowledge that was not Joseph's knowledge. He had a knowledge that was not of man's wisdom, but a knowledge that was of God's wisdom. And uh, can I tell you this, that I think in the day we live, this is probably one of the most neglected things in our Christian lives and is the, probably one of the great reasons why a lot of Christians live a victoriousless and a very defeated Christian life is because we do not study to show ourselves approved unto God, workmen that need not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And the idea that we must saturate ourselves with the Word of God. The Bible says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of what? The beginning of wisdom. 
we find that there is a knowledge that comes from uh, being yielded to the Holy Spirit of God and being sensitive to Him that is beyond man's wisdom. Has there ever been a time you've been trying to share the gospel with somebody or you've been talking to them about the things of the Lord and all of a sudden you, you think of something, you think, boy, where'd that come from? And it was just what that person needed to hear. There's a knowledge that God gives, and, and as we are led by the Holy Spirit of God, He helps to bring to mind some things that we have studied in Scripture. And so there's a knowledge from God that was beyond man's knowledge. There was a boldness to speak. And I found this, that when you have uh, the Holy Spirit of God is, has His rightful place in our hearts and our lives, He's on the throne of our hearts, we're yielded to Him, we're sensitive to Him, uh, it is not difficult for us. To, to speak about the Lord or the things of the Lord. I was talking to a friend of mine years ago. His name is Wayne Corfman. And uh, Brother Wayne's in probably his late 80s now. But uh, about 12 years ago, his wife Catherine passed away. Precious lady. One of the sweetest Christian ladies you've ever met. And I would go over to his apartment after she passed away some evenings and just sit with him. And, and we would talk and, and pray together. And he would, he would uh, tear up. And he would always talk about it. He said, my Catherine. He always called her my Catherine. And uh, he said, I'm, uh, my Catherine did this, and my Catherine did that. And he'd get excited. And you've got to know Brother Wayne uh, uh, to love him. He's one of those, he, he stutters when he gets excited. And uh, it's just something he's had, I guess, since he was a kid. And uh, just precious to hear him talk, because he'd get so excited about talking about Miss Catherine. And he'd say, Brother Jerry, she did this, she did that, and it was just so precious to me. And he'd get so excited. You could tell, boy, he's getting excited. And I was sitting there one night, and we were talking about it. And uh, we got talking about the things of the Lord. And after we had spent some time talking about Miss Catherine. And he made a statement to me, because we were talking about why people don't share with others about the Lord as much as we should. And he teared up, and he said, Brother Greg, we, 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 we're never embarrassed to talk about the ones we love. And I sat there, and I thought, how many times did the opportunity come for me to share my faith with someone? And I held my tongue. And I thought, boy, if I loved God the way that I claim to love God, I would not be embarrassed to talk about Him. You ever notice that? We love our family, don't we? We love our wives, our husbands, our daughters, our sons, our parents. Most of the time, we're not ashamed to talk about them unless they do something really crazy. But the truth is, we're not embarrassed to talk about the ones we love, are we? When our hearts are overflowing with God's presence. When we have walked with God and His presence is sweet in our lives. We don't have a problem declaring and being bold to speak in His name. In fact, I look back to those millions of folks since the time of Christ that have been martyred for naming the name of Christ. And I look and I think of their faith and I think if it was ever put to my test where I had to answer for that, would I be able to remain faithful? Would I be able to endure? I would hope that I would. But I look at these people and I say what love they must have had for our precious Savior to be able to stand faithfully through the martyrdom. Why? 
because it could be said of them, can we find such a one as this, a man in whom the Spirit of God is? Can we find someone like this that loves God that much? He was bold to speak. He stood before Pharaoh and told him what God wanted him to hear. He was not afraid to do it. And then I found this, that when a man is filled with the Holy Spirit and led by the Holy Spirit, yielded his heart to the Holy Spirit, let's put it that way, that he is not worried about his own promotion, but allows God to promote him to wherever he wills. I was in college one time, and a professor made this statement. I never forgot it. He said, a servant has no right to tell the master when or how he will serve. It is simply for the servant to obey. And so often we are so proud in our lives that we want position and we want recognition. We want people to say, boy, there's a great Christian there because they do this, this, and this. Well, there must be something spiritual about them because, boy, look at their life. They do this, this, and this. And we long for that promotion. And if we're not careful, some of what we do outwardly is only there because we are concerned about what man will think. Can I tell you this? When all we're worried about is what God thinks of us, the outside will take care of itself. And God will be able to promote us the way He chooses. Paul said it this way. He said, I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. In all things, that we would learn to be content where God puts us. We, we let God do the promoting. If He wants to put us in the prison, He puts us in the prison. If He wants to put us in the palace, He puts us in the palace. In either sense, I'm going to be content. And we find this in Joseph's life. A man in whom the Spirit of God is. I wish that we would become more like this in our lives. We live in such a busy day. We get so consumed with the affairs of this life that we give very little thought to being yielded to the Holy Spirit of God, to walking with Him in power and in might and in love. Gone are the long, long, long gone are the days of great and sweeping revivals. Not because God has quit sending them, but because man has quit desiring them. We'll go a little bit further. and uh, I think we'll have time to do this. If not, we'll, we'll pick up here and review it next week. Verse number 39, And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, for as much as God hath showed thee all this, there is none so discreet and wise as thou art. Thou shalt be over my house, and according unto thy word shall all my people be ruled. Only in the throne will I be greater than thou. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, See, I have set thee over all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh took off his ring from his hand and put it upon Joseph's hand and arrayed him in vestures of fine linen and put a gold chain about his neck. And he made him to ride in the second chariot which he had. 
And they cried before him, bowed the knee, and he made him ruler over all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I am Pharaoh, and without thee shall no man lift up his hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh called Joseph's name Zaphnath Paanah, and he gave him to wife Asenath, the daughter of Potiphar, priest of On. And Joseph went out over all the land of Egypt. And Joseph was 30 years old when he stood before Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from the presence of Pharaoh and went through all the land of Egypt. And in the seven plenteous years, the earth brought forth by handfuls. He gathered up all the food of the seven years which were in the land of Egypt and laid up the food in the cities and the food of the field, which was round about every city, laid he up in the same. And Joseph gathered corn as the sand of the sea, very much until he left, uh, uh, until he left numbering, for it was without number. And unto Joseph were born two sons before the years of famine came, which Ashenath, the daughter of Potiphar, priest of On, bare unto him. And Joseph called the name of the firstborn Manasseh. For God, he said, hath made me forget all my toil and all my father's house. I am thankful that when God brings us through the valleys, He allows us to continue to serve Him. There are things that happen in our lives sometimes that sometimes all because of our fault, sometimes through no fault of our own. We find ourselves in circumstances where we wonder, Lord, can you ever use me again? One of the great encouragements of the Scripture to me is the Apostle Paul. A man who thought he was doing God a favor to go and arrest and murder Christians. On that road to Damascus, God was so merciful, so gracious. He calls Paul. He tells Ananias, I've set him apart for specific purpose. I've got something important for him to do. I am quite certain that there were numerous times in Paul's life where Satan used his past to discourage him. I cannot even fathom having done what Paul did and then to be able to stand and preach as powerfully as he did knowing that I used to do that. Can I tell you, I am so thankful that God gives us a second chance, aren't you? Uh, Paul's the one who, under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, said this, forgetting those things which are behind, I press toward the mark. Boy, aren't you glad we have a God like that? Joseph's been through an awful lot. He's been almost murdered by his brothers, thrown into a pit. I I don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us that Joseph ever had doubts about God. But I, I wonder sometimes if there were not a night or two that he was laying there sleeping, wondering, God, are you ever going to bring this to pass in my life? I can imagine maybe after the butler had forgotten him and he laid in the prison for two more years, there might have been a night or two. God, are you going to leave me here forever? He has his firstborn son, and he names him Manasseh. 
means to forget. And Joseph tells us in verse number 51 why he named him Manasseh. He says, For God said, He hath made me forget all my toil and all my father's house. There was a song written years ago, and the chorus of it is, It will be worth it all when we see Jesus. I reckon that the sufferings of this present world are not worthy to be compared to the joy and the glory that is set before us. Oh, that we would just put those things behind us and look forward to the prize and press toward the prize, the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. He has his firstborn son. The first thing he does is say, God has caused me to forget my toil. All of my father's house, all those things that were so bad in his life. That's going to be important here in a couple chapters. Because for the first time in 13 years, he's going to come face to face with the brothers who sold him into slavery. What do you think Joseph would do to those brothers had God not allowed him to forget? If God had not allowed him to have a spirit of forgiveness... Oh, I'm so thankful for a Savior like that. Verse number 52, In the name of the second called he Ephraim. For God hath caused me, notice this, to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. Oh, my. I'm going to leave you with that thought. We're going to talk a little bit more about that one next week, all right? But uh, it's time, and I, I want to leave you with that thought. God hath caused me to be fruitful in the land of mine affliction. And I hope that will be an encouragement to you. Let's pray and we'll be dismissed. Father, we're thankful for Your Word. I pray that You'll bless it and use it. Oh, how precious it is. Thank You for it. Lord, I pray that You would help us to have our hearts drawn to You. May Your Holy Spirit guide us and direct us. May we rightly divide Your Word. May we understand its truth be encouraged from it, be instructed in righteousness through it. Lord, we're needful, even though we don't like it, to be reproved by it. I pray that You'd help us to give our hearts wholly and completely to it. Dismiss us now with Your blessings. We pray that You'll bless the service to come and speak to our hearts. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, God bless you. You're dismissed. We'll be back here in just about, uh, about 12 or 14 minutes.